Good morning. Welcome. Go ahead, stand up if you will. Let's worship together. Let's sing wherever we go. Sing wherever I go. Thank you so much, worship team. God is good, and today we are singing and praising him and giving him all the glory because he deserves it. Amen? Amen. It's so good to see everybody. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Everyone. Good. Awesome. Like four of you. All right. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Good. Woo. Awesome. Awesome. I hope it was full of, of fun, lots of food, more family than you knew, you knew where to put, right? Oh my goodness, I think we had 18 at one point, and that's where we were all sleeping. It was ridiculous. All right, lots of football, lots of fun, and uh, again, lots of gratitude to our Savior, because we do have a lot to be thankful for, amen? True. Hey, quick question though. Who of you in this room were in charge of making the turkey? Like, that was your role. All right, hey, 
Thank you so much. Everyone give these people a round of applause because these people were truly the unsung heroes of Thanksgiving. Awesome, awesome. It's so good to see you guys, and again, so thankful to have you here today. We believe that God's going to work and move in this place today, and we've been praying for you in that way, that God just talks to us and, and moves in a very unexpected way because we want to be changed. We want to see growth, um, and we want to see him stir us into to fertile soil. So I pray that prayer for you today that God just truly does move. If you're a guest this morning, thank you so much for joining us. There's a Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you would, right after service, just take it out these back doors. Um, there will be some people there at a Connect counter just uh, ready to meet you um, and tell you all about our church. We love you guys. I'm going to ask you now to stand, and we're going to ask God's anointing our service. Love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together again, God. We love our church, and we love what's about to happen here, God. I, I pray that we, our focus are aligned with you today, and if we have any stress or burdens or uh, pain or heartache, God, that we can uh, give those things over to you today, that we can uh, experience the true joy that we just sang about and have that in you today, Lord, because we know that you are healer and that you are uh, all about making us whole again. And Lord, I pray that that just happens this morning. As the word is preached, God, um, be with our pastor uh, as he does that. Uh, get, help him to speak boldly and proclaim everything that you've given him this past week. Um, and help us to have the, the heart uh, that is open and ready to receive it. We love you so much. Thank you for bringing us back together. In your name, amen. Greet those around you and then we'll get right back at it.
all the songs that we've been singing this morning talk about that he is greater. He is greater than, than the one that lives in the world. He is greater than the power of the darkness. And I know everyone in this room has something that you struggle with. I mean, we are not perfect people. And we sometimes don't like the word addiction. We think of drugs and alcohol, and that is true. But we can have addictions of all kinds. And addictions are just chains, things that bind you and hold you down. And this morning, some of you may be having the chain of depression in your life or a chain of fear or living with just insurmountable anxiety. Um, I mean, it could be anything. We, we struggle with um, insecurity. We struggle with, I mean, you can fill in the blank, right? With maybe a root of bitterness and you just, you can't get rid of it. You can't move on. But guys, we have something that is greater. We have a higher power. If we just turn ourselves over to Jesus Christ, we can be overcomers. Right. And this next song is just entitled Miracle Power. And that is available to every one of us today.
on your name this morning, Jesus. I love you. I praise you so much because you are a miracle-working God. We call on your name. We ask for your power this morning. As Brother Will stands in this podium and your power sweeps over us, your word sweeps over us, Lord, we call on you. Whether we're lonely, whether we're afraid, whether we're lost and we don't know you, I pray we find you this morning. Whatever the need is, I pray that you would fix it this morning. I pray that not one soul leaves this building without being healed of whatever that need is. I thank you for everything, for you are my everything. And though I don't know what this day brings, I know you bring the day. And all I have to do is call on your name, Jesus. And I have that power with me. The Holy Spirit is in my heart and in my life. And when I call on that name, Jesus, Satan has to flee because you have all power. And I call on that power this morning. I love you. I'm so thankful for everything that you give us. We are a blessed, blessed people. I praise you and I thank you and I love you. Your will be done here this morning. And we give you all the praise, all the glory. For you are the only one who is worthy. Jesus. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, 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 wasn't that great? Man, wow, give them a big hand. Appreciate their leading us in worship today. I don't, I don't get to pick out the songs that we sing weekly. That's Miss Angie's job. Uh, sometimes she'll ask me what I'm preaching, and it, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit just kind of works things out and brings things together. However, sometimes I do suggest that they learn new songs. And the first time I heard We the Kingdom sing this song, Miracle Power, on the radio, I went home and I said, you know, Miss Angie, I think it would be a good idea if we learn. And she said, don't worry, we're already learning it. So, I love that song, don't y'all? Man, what a great, great, great song. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in a predicament this Sunday. Uh, Thanksgiving is over, uh, Christmas is about to be on us, but it's not quite time for me to start my Christmas series. I'm going to wait for a couple of weeks before I begin that. So I'm kind of in limbo today. What, what in the world do I preach the Sunday after Thanksgiving? So I decided, let's just preach on the devil. <laughs> All right. And, and I'll tell you the reason why this sermon has come about here in just a second. Now, I don't know if you have ever had an experience with demon possession or the occult, but if you have, you're not alone. Some 2,000 years ago, the early Christians ran into the occult and demon possession. Every corner they turned as they were spreading the gospel to the known world. Everywhere they went, they encountered spiritists and occultists. 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's written through the book of Acts. For example, let me read Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced what? Sorcery, that's delving into the occult in the city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. The old King James says he bewitched them with his sorcery. So there it is. They're, they're encountering, encountering demonism and, and occult worship. Here in Acts chapter 13, we read these words. They, which was Paul and Barnabas, traveled through the whole island, which was Cyprus, until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul. So there, again, they're running into those in the occult. Now this story in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we, that is Paul and Luke, were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl, a little girl, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners telling fortunes. And she would follow Paul around and, and say, this is the, the preacher of the Most High God. And finally, Paul got tired of it and turned around and cast the demon out of this young girl. And she could no longer tell fortunes, which made her owners very mad. All right? And here we're encountering this demonism, this occultism, every chapter in the book of Acts. And then we come to Acts chapter 19. And this is the real reason for this sermon. I've been reading through the Bible this year. Remember just a few months ago, I challenged y'all in January to read it through in 22? I hope that you've been doing that. If not, you've got about a month to catch up, all right, and, and read through the Bible. I'm going through my reading plan, and right now, or this past week, I was in the book of Acts, and so I've been reading all of these stories about demon possession, and I come to this story in Acts chapter 19. Paul entered the great city of Ephesus only to find the occult alive and well there. It, it was a, a society permeated with demonism. And Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us one very interesting story. And as I read this story, my mind got to thinking, you know, I'm, I'm 61 years old, and I've never heard another preacher preach from this particular story. And I thought, dude, man, this is, this is here for a reason. It needs to be preached. And so here we are today looking at it, all right? Let me read this story, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse Number 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered all seven brothers. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house both naked and bleeding. 
When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, it came to about 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And Heavenly Father, I pray now as we preach from this passage of Scripture that Satan would be bound from this room. I pray that our hearts would be open to the Word of God and that as I speak on the outside, your Holy Spirit would speak directly into our lives. I pray that you would free us from the chains that the devil has bound us with. And I pray that we would find our freedom today in Jesus Christ. We ask that in his name. Amen. What an interesting story. Luke tells us there that Jewish exorcists who were dabbling in the occult without really knowing what they were doing were were using the name of Jesus to drive out demons. One family in particular, the the family whose last name was Skeva, were seven brothers who tampered with these spiritual forces beyond their understanding. Now, I, I want you to suppose this morning that you had been walking down one of the streets of ancient Ephesus in Paul's day. You you might have passed a sign on the street corner pointing you to a storefront just down the road. And on that sign, maybe it said something like this, feeling sickly, weary, confused, we can help. Demons exercised at the shop of the sons of Skeva, 19 Asiatic way, and a sign pointing that way. Going to that shop, maybe you opened the door and you heard this little bell jingle. And when you stepped inside, it smelled of incense. And maybe you saw one, two, four, maybe you saw all seven of these brothers. I kind of think they were handsome young men, good-looking guys, suave, debonair, bodacious, able to speak really well. And they greeted you as you came into their storefront. Oh, yes. One of the brothers would say, we, we have had great success in driving out demons. If you, if you have any problems, we can take care of them today. I can give you many testimonials from well-satisfied clients. We can rid you this very hour of your demons, and our fees are very reasonable. And maybe you said to them, well, my friend Chloe came in here, and, and you really helped her with her gouts. Yes, Chloe is a fine example of our work. We drove that gout right out of her. It only took five sessions. (laughs) Package deal. These exorcists undoubtedly claim to know some secret Hebrew words and names which they said would drive forces of demons right out of you. Now, this little picture I just painted for you, I think, is what you would have actually seen had you been walking down one of the city streets in ancient Ephesus, the Bourbon Street of ancient Ephesus. And and, and we may have seen scores of little shops or booths or street vendors 
and they are all dealing in the occult. Now, when Paul came to town, he was proclaiming a new name, the name of Jesus, which is above every name. People were attracted to this name, and it was being buzzed and said all around town. This name had the power to change people's lives. And when Paul spoke the name of Jesus over people's lives, a miracle happened. Through speaking the name of Jesus, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened, lame people were able to get up and walk. Through the name of Jesus, Paul was exercising, driving out demons. Well, these seven brothers knew an opportunity when they saw it. And they decided that they would just add the name of Jesus to their list of incantations and spells. They were not Christians. Okay, listen to me, look at me. These seven brothers were not Christians. They were charlatans who just added this new name of Jesus to the mumbo-jumbo they were speaking. One day into their shop came, came a new man. I, I don't know what his name was. Let's call him Julius, right? Julius. Julius is sick of body, unwell, mentally depressed, and sometimes even a bit demented. These brothers collect their fee, and they gather around him. They light the incense. They place their hands on Julius's head, and they begin reciting their incantations and their magic formulas as they pretend to cast this demon out of this man. And in the process of chanting these magic formulas, they utter the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Now, let me tell you something, friends. Nothing could have prepared these seven brothers for what happened next. With a shriek, this man suddenly rose up with superhuman strength, roaring these words back at them. And I don't think it was Julius saying these words. I think it was the demon saying it inside of him through his mouth. And here's what he said. Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you freaks? I just added that word freak in there, right? It's not in the biblical text. And with blood-curdling screams and oaths, he charged at these seven brothers, attacking them, slapping them, slicing them, tearing their clothes and ripping their skins. These brothers went flying in all different directions. It was WWE in that shop, man. It was a sight to be seen. He was throwing furniture at them and throwing them, ripping their clothes off, and they just barely escaped with their lives. And here, here is what the biblical text says. They ran from the building, bleeding and naked. Wow. You know what? News spread like wildfire, man. They, they didn't have cell phones back then, but boy, I tell you what, there was word of mouth, and it was, it was the gossip of the city. People talked about it, amazed at the effect caused by the very mention of the name Jesus, a name which is above every name. Verse 17 says, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. 
and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And then in the next two verses, 18 and 19, there is another result of what happened in that shop that day. People begin to realize that the answer to their failures and their fears and their future did not lie in the occult, but in the Word of God. They begin turning to the Lord Jesus Christ in groves. And as they did so, they realized that they had to divest themselves of the tools and the trappings of their former life. And so a number of those who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls and their books and their occult paraphernalia together, and they burned it publicly. When they calculated the cost of all this stuff they burned, it was over 50,000 drachmas. Now, we don't know how much money that was, but it's been estimated in today's term, it was several millions of dollars. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely, and it grew in great power. Now, this is a remarkable story in the Bible, wouldn't you say? And really, not very well known as it should be, but it's there for a reason. And I think we need to pick up on the reason God wanted this story in the Bible. I think it's the reason that we can learn many valuable lessons that apply even today. Because if you think the occult and demonism and demon possession only happened in Jesus' day and is not going on in our world today, you are grossly mistaken. The devil is alive and well. He's only had 2,000 more years to perfect his craft. And we may not see it as Paul saw it in his day, but it's still going on. And we need to be aware. We need to learn some lessons and put these lessons into practice. What are they? I've got five for you today. Can you hang with me? You look look just a little bored. let's, let's, Let's get over the effect that turkey has on you. It makes you sleepy. And let's, wait. let's write these five lessons down. What are they? First of all, lesson number one, do not play around with the occult. Don't even start messing with it. I read the other day that many colleges and universities now offer courses on the paranormal and the occult science. So if you go to one of those colleges, don't take one of those classes. Steer clear. Many television shows and movies feature dark, occultish themes. Don't watch them. In fact, let me just go a little broader than this. You need to be very careful what you do allow into your house via the TV. You need to be very careful about what movies you go to. Now, I have people tell me all the time, oh, preacher, you're just blowing smoke. Those shows don't affect me. Those movies don't affect me. Again, who in the world are you trying to fool? Have you ever just been sitting there, maybe in church, and all of a sudden you had this vivid image come across your mind, play right in front of your face that happened in a movie you saw 10 years ago? It happens to us. So be careful what shows you watch. Literally, sometimes we are allowing the devil right into our living room. Don't watch it. Many websites are devoted to Satanism, demonism, and the occult. Don't go there. 
Don't click on those websites. I was very, very careful this week in my study online because I know, I know the demons that are in my computer. Are you with me? I mean, just the other day I was on this website looking for a gun part. How innocent is that? And about an hour later, I didn't purchase the part, but an hour later I get an email from this company. Didn't you like the gun part you were looking at? Do you want to come back and buy it now? Dude, they're, they're watching you, man. <laughs> so I was very careful what I looked into on the web because that can come back and, and haunt us. Don't go to those websites. There are many games devoted to the occult. You don't need to be playing those games. Over 1,200 daily newspapers in the United States carry horos horoscopes. Did you know that 40 million people read their horoscope daily? Don't be one of them. Don't even read that junk. There are over 98,000 psychic services generating over $2 billion a year in revenue in the United States. Don't visit them. Don't call their 900 numbers. Don't seek psychic readings. Stay away from it. You think you can just dabble and it won't hurt you. I'm telling you, church, you need to steer clear. Stay away from it. After 2,000 years, the occult is still as pervasive as ever. We need to disavow it. We don't even need to crack the door to our heart, opening it up to Satan's devices. I think I may have told you this story years ago when I was pastoring in Pine Bluff. There was a young man in our church who moved to Little Rock, and one Christmas season, he came back to use his granddaddy's pickup. He was moving out of an apartment in Little Rock to another place, and he came in and got his granddad's keys. And I saw him come in. This kid grew up in my church. For seven years, he listened to me preach every single Sunday. And I spoke to him when he came in the doors. It was on a Saturday. We were getting ready for a big Christmas production the next day. And as I spoke to him, he looked at me, and his eyes, eyes pierced right through me, and he didn't say a word. He got his granddad's pickup. The next thing I knew is on Monday, I received a call from his granddad asking me if I would go to the Little Rock jail because his grandson had been arrested for murder. I said, what in the world are you talking about? He says, yeah, he, they say he murdered his roommate. And so a few days later, I went to the Little Rock jail and I was able to see him and talk to him. My brother-in-law was a sergeant in the Little Rock Police Department, and I called John Paul and said, John, what can you tell me about this kid? What in the world happened? A few hours later, John called me back and said, Will, I mean, it's just it's one of these typical cases. He, he, was, he was a bad dude. This kid that grew up in your church, he was bad. They went to his apartment and investigated. What had happened is his roommate was asleep on the couch and him and another roommate took a baseball bat and literally, Ronnie, they beat his brains out. Put him in the trunk of their car, drove him to Cabot, buried him in a shallow grave. His girlfriend started missing him and turned the police onto them. When they went to the apartment complex, here's what they found. Books on every shelf about the occult. 
His street name was The Terminator. Kid that grew up in my church. They let me see him. And I looked at him and said, dude, what in the world happened? He said, preacher, I'm so sorry. I, I started taking some things I shouldn't have been taking, drugs. And I got involved in some stuff I shouldn't have been involved in. It was the occult. You know how he did it? By playing a game. An innocent little game. Don't mess with that stuff. You stay as far away from the occult as you possibly can. Second, if you have any occultish paraphernalia, like a Ouija board in the closet, or an occultish novel, or a set of tarot cards, or a book of horoscope readings in your house, you gather them together and burn them. Burn it. It's a biblical thing to do. That is exactly what the new believers in Ephesus did. They didn't worry about how much money they had spent on those items or how valuable they were or who had given them. They burned them and they rid those things from their lives. They got those things out of their homes. And you need to do the same thing. Boy, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? Let me, let me tell you just a, a little story it happened when I was at Hillsdale, which is now Randall University. It was my first year there, which was actually my second year of college. One day in chapel, they had a, a team, a group of people who were speaking to us. They were all young people, and they were talking about the ill effects of allowing the things of this world into our Christian lives. And they hit on a lot of different subjects. The, the whole point of it was, don't, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Say no to the things of the world. And they said, if you come back tonight, we're going to have a, a, a seminar and get very specific on some things that you need to avoid from this world. And so, of course, we all went back that night, little campus, Hillsdale College, not much to do. And so we went back. And, and really what they talked about, Keenan, was secular music and the effects that music have on our personality and, and, and everything else. And again, you may think, oh, preacher, you're just blowing smokes, mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, music is powerful. It really is powerful. It gets inside you and doesn't go away. How do I know that? Songs that I listened to back when I was 16 years old, and I haven't heard them in 40 years. If I turn on the radio today and one of those songs that I grew up with comes on, Carla, I guarantee you I can sing every single word of those songs. And I'm thinking to myself, how do I remember this? I haven't heard this song in 40 years. I can't even remember what my wife said to me yesterday. <laughs> Music's powerful. And so this, this whole seminar they gave that night was on secular music, specifically rock and roll, and here it is, backmasking. Y'all ever heard that term, backmasking? It was really big in the 60s and 70s. They, they were talking, Christians were talking about backmasking. Old vinyl albums. Remember vinyl albums? They're coming back now. You, you put them on a turntable, put the needle on them, you hear the music. Here's the deal about backmasking. Y'all know about this, don't you? They, it's, it's for real. I'm not making this up. This is for real. You, you can play a song forward and hear the music and the words, but you spin that record backwards as it's going forward, 
and there is a message that's coming across. They say it's subliminal. It's going into your subconscious. So as the music is playing forward, you can also hear this backmasking going on. Anybody familiar with this? Oh, yeah, man. And they, they, they gave examples. Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. Eagles, Hotel California. And they would play it. And all my buddies saying, oh, I got it. I heard that. I'm thinking, I can't. I, I, I'm not getting it. What are they saying? And, you know, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something, it was something about Satan, we love you. Satan, we worship you. And, and the whole point of it was, this is, this is bad. It's going into your mind. You're listening to this stuff, and, and it's feeding your subconscious, and, and the devil is getting to you. Can I do a little timeout? I don't know if they're still doing backmasking today. I don't think they are because they're just saying it right out forward now. I mean, you can, it's, on the, it's on the real time. They're, they're saying blasphemous things. They're saying things about the devil. They're using curse words that your mama would wash your mouth out with soap if you used, and it's all on our airways now. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. But the point is, they were saying, this is bad for you. You don't, bottom line, you don't need to be listening to this kind of music. So we're going to burn it tonight. And they already had a big bonfire set up out there. And when we went out there, it was lit. And we all ran back to our dorm rooms. And, and I got my albums and my eight tracks. There's only a few people laughing right now. Only a few of you remember eight tracks. Do you remember eight tracks? I burned several hundred dollars worth of rock and roll that night. You know why you might, you might laugh at that now and think, oh, that's silly. But I think that the bottom line is this. If you have anything that delves into the occult in your house, you need to get it out of your house. It doesn't need to be there. Number three, you need to trust the blood of Jesus for pardon and protection. Our victory is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? It is the blood of Jesus that clears your mind and your conscience. Revelation 1.5 says that Christ has freed us from our sins by his blood. I love Revelation 12.11. They overcame him. Who's the him? The devil. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Our freedom is in the blood. Our protection from the devil is in the blood of Jesus. When we claim the blood, the devil has to leave. I don't know if you enjoy reading biographies or stories of missionaries, but I do. I reread one the last week of, of Dick Hillis was the missionary. He was a missionary to China long before the communist revolution. He, he talks about speaking in this Chinese village one day. 20, 30 people were listening to him preach. He, he had his assistant, Mr. Kong, beside him. 
And as he was preaching, they, they heard this shriek, this yell, and this lady was running towards them. And immediately Mr. Kong knew what happened and said, someone has been possessed by an evil spirit. And this lady ran up to Mr. Kong and to Dick Hillis and said, I beg you help me. An evil spirit has again possessed the father of my children and the evil spirit is trying to kill him. And so they followed the lady to her hut. Kong stepped over this filthy old dog that was in the doorway. And when he stepped over that dog, he was met with this madman, a demon-possessed man. The room was charged with a sense of evil. And so Kong said out loud, an evil spirit has come over Farmer Ho. Our God, the nothing he can't do God, is more than powerful over this spirit. And he can deliver this man. But first, you must all promise that you'll burn your idols and trust in Jesus. And they all said they would. Kong then turned to Dick Hillis, the missionary, and said, Would you sing a verse of, There is power in the blood? <laughs> Dick Hillis was a little bit surprised, but he began to sing, Would you be free from your burden of sin? And Kong continued by saying, in the name of Jesus, we command this evil spirit to leave this man. And he started praying over Farmer Ho, and all of a sudden, that old mangy dog that was lying in the doorway vaulted into the air, screeching and yelping and chasing its tail around in a circle. Kong continued to pray, and all of a sudden, that dog abruptly dropped over dead. Instantly, Dick Hillis remembered Luke chapter 8. Remember what's in Luke chapter 8? The demons of the Gadarenes who were cast out of the man Legion and they went into that herd of swine. As Kong finished praying, Farmer Ho just kind of settled down and became calm. And after a few hours, he was back to his normal self and and he took all of his idols and all of his occultish paraphernalia and he burned them in a fire. And as the flames leaped up, he shared his testimony with the village. He said, I was possessed by an evil spirit who claimed it had killed five men and he was about to kill me. But God sent Mr. Kong just at the right moment. And in Jesus, I have been set free. Now, I've seen a lot of weird stuff with my eyes. Angie and I can remember years ago in the first church that we ministered in, there was a lady called up to play the piano, and, and we, could, we both, you know what I'm talking about, we both sensed an evil spirit in her that she was demon-possessed. I don't know if she was or not, but man, she sure scared me. I've encountered other people through my ministry that I believe were demon-possessed. Maybe not in the same sense that these seven brothers encountered. I've never had one of them whoop the fire out of me. But I can tell you this, church. I know exactly what it's like to be in the presence of evil. I know what it is like to be under a direct attack from Satan himself. And the only place that I want to be when that happens is under the pardoning, protecting, powerful blood of the crucified one, 
Jesus Christ. How about you? I've told you this story before. I'll tell you again. A lot of dark, Gary, a lot of dark things happened in Pine Bluff. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it was an evil place. It really was. It was a wicked, wicked place. It happened on a Saturday night. I was in bed with Angie Whitney, right there. Whitney, raise your hand. Whitney's got two little babies, about to have a third baby. Whitney was just a little bitty thing. You were in your crib. You didn't climb out your crib like your son's doing now, but you were, you were in your crib asleep. 3010 Orange, I was in that parsonage. All of a sudden, I woke up like it was broad daylight. It was about midnight, a little after midnight. I was wide awake, and the hair on my back was standing up because I knew somebody was in our house. You ever get that feeling? Somebody's in the house that I didn't let in. Ronnie, back then I didn't have a gun. I've solved that problem. You come to my house uninvited, you're going to be met by Mr. Glock or Mr. Ruger. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. I did have a pair of nunchucks under the bed. So I got my nunchucks because I knew when I walked down that hallway, I was going face to face with somebody who was uninvited in my house. I looked through every room. Nobody was there. And then it hit me. There is an evil spirit in this house. Now, you, you might try to debate me and say, oh, you're, you're full of it, preacher. Dude, you weren't there. I experienced it. Either a demon or, or the devil himself was in my house. He didn't say it with an audible voice, but I knew why he was there. He came to destroy my family and my ministry. And so I walked through that house, praying in every room. I went into Whitney's room and I prayed over my little girl in that cradle and I said the devil you can't have her I went into the bedroom and I prayed over Angie who was sound asleep devil you can't have her I went into the living room and I put my head between that cushions of that couch my mom and dad had bought for us the blue country looking couch remember that my head was in between those cushions and I was crying out to God Lord Jesus, in the name of Christ, through the blood of Jesus, protect this house, protect my family. Lord, protect my ministry. I went into the little kitchen area. I've told you this story before, but I, I, I need to tell you this. I was in our little kitchen dining room. Gary, you've been in there a bunch of times. You know what I'm talking about. We had a little table, and I was walking around that, that table in the kitchen area, and I started preaching to the devil. I said, devil, you can't take my family. And in the name of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, get out of this house and leave us alone. And just like that, it was gone. Make no mistake about it, he's after you. He's after your family. And the only protection that you have is in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ.
Number four, in the words of the old Puritan Thomas Manton, you need to watch over thyself with holy suspicion. Watch out. The devil has designed a thousand ways to lure you off the straight and narrow path. Every single day of your life, the devil is setting traps for you. He has a huge dossier on you. He knows everything that gets to you. He knows all the things that you can be tempted with. And every day, he's setting traps for you. He's invented a million ways to mess up your life. And I'm going to use the word billion. I don't know if it's this many or not, but I believe he has a billion demons to draw you into his traps. So you need to watch out, friend. You need to watch out where you go. Have you ever walked into a room, a building, a place, and just felt evilness there? You need to get out of that place. You need to watch out where you go. Watch out what you see. Watch out what you taste. Watch out what you feel. Watch out what you experience. You need to be on the watch. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. Or as J.B. Phillips puts it in his translation, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Watch yourself. The devil is after you. Be careful. Then I want to close with number five. You need to stay close to God in daily prayer and Bible study. You need to get as far away from the devil as you can and as close to God as you can. Some Christians become overly infatuated with the occult and, and they see demons everywhere. And some people can even be overly involved in the subject. One of the bad repercussions of that that night we had at Hillsdale on the campus with, with backmasking is a couple of my buddies became infatuated with occultism. Instead of just stopping at what the Bible says about it, they started researching it on their own. And they went down this dark, dark path, and one of them never came back. So don't go there. Be, be careful. Stay close to God. Read, Freddie, read what the Bible says about it and let it in there. The flip side of that is this. There are some people who virtually ignore the dangers of the occult. You might be one of them. You might say, oh, he's crazy. This is, this is nonsense. This is 2022. This, this kind of stuff can't happen today in our culture and in our world. And you're just oblivious. You, you, you're kind of like it, it doesn't doesn't exist I think we need a balance between the two and I think this verse can help us with that James chapter 4 says resist the devil and he will flee from you don't open the door of your heart don't give him a foothold into your life resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you so stay as close to God as you can. Read the Bible and pray every day. I'm going to close with this story. Martin Luther, the, the leader of the Protestant Reformation back in the 1500s, had a keen sense of awareness of the devil and of evilness that hovered near him. In fact, he was in his office one day working on a manuscript, 
And he knew that the devil was in his office. He could sense the presence of the evil one there. He he even said he, he knew where the devil was standing. Even though he could not see the devil, he knew the devil was standing against that wall. And so he picked up an inkwell, Stacy, and he threw it at where he thought the devil was standing. Of course, it hit the wall and shattered, and there was an ink blob there that he never cleaned up. A perpetual reminder of the evil that hovers near. Martin Luther was aware of the devil, but he was not afraid of the devil. He knew that his protection was in the blood of Jesus, God's only begotten Son. Therefore, he wrote one of the greatest hymns the church has. In our old Free Will Baptist hymn book, it's number 17. A mighty fortress is our God. It was written in 1529. We don't use the same kind of language that Luther used back then, but let me tell you, this is an awesome, awesome song. He spoke of our ancient foe who seeks to work us woe. He goes on to say, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. But it gets better than that. Listen to verse 2. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Jesus Christ, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age, he is the same. And he must win the battle. And can I tell you something? Jesus won the battle. On Calvary's cross, he won the battle. His blood prevails over the evil one. Look at me. The devil is not your friend. He wants to mess up your life. He wants to ruin the life of your kids. And he's after your grandbabies. You need Jesus on your side. And he makes himself available to you today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, would you come and invite him into your heart? He'll give you victory over the evil one. And look at me. If you have children and if you have grandchildren, I implore you to come to the altar today and pray a hedge of protection over them. The devil's after them. I miss Charlie Wagner. Anybody in here remember Brother Charlie? Great man of faith in our church. I, I would always love to call on Brother Charlie to pray for us. Man, he, he could pray heaven down. I miss Charlie's prayers. But I can remember dozens of times Brother Charlie Wagner praying over in that other building, and he would pray a hedge of protection over our church family. You need to do that for your family. I got three kids, they're grown now, but they're still my kids. 
They're my responsibility. And every day I pray a hedge of protection over them. I've got two grandbabies. One's about to appear. I'm their Poe. They're my grandbabies. And you better believe every day I pray a hedge of protection over those babies because the devil is after them. So join me at the altar today and let's pray for our families. Join me at the altar today and make Jesus your Savior. Heavenly Father, would you please speak to hearts and lives as only you can. Save us, change us, help us as we pray to you today. Lord, I want to take this opportunity to pray publicly for my family. I pray that you would be with Miss Angie, with Whitney, Tyler, Ella Jane, Archie, Callie, Michael, and Zane. I pray, dear Lord, a hedge of protection over them. I pray the armor of God on them. May we put on the the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of holy, godly living. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just work in our minds with salvation. May we carry the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. Protect us, Lord. And I pray that everyone in this room would come and pray for their families today, recognizing that the evil one is wanting to devour them. In Jesus' name, amen. As you stand to your feet, would you come to the altar? Let's pray together today. Come on. Dear Jesus, you've never failed us, and you never will fail us. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Jesus, for providing salvation. Thank you for your precious blood, which not only cleanses us from our sins, but protects us from the evil one. Lord, help us to be aware of that fact every day, that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And every day he is setting traps and snares in our life. Help us to avoid those traps. Help us to live for you, love you, serve you, and cling to you. Lord, we lift up our families. We pray a hedge of protection around them. We pray a hedge of protection around this church. 
Lord, I pray that Satan would be bound from this place, that we could live for you. Thank you for those who came and prayed today. Thank you for those who are watching online praying. May you fill us with your grace, mercy, and love, and may you protect us with your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. All the people said, amen, amen. amen. Give God a hand, would you? What a great God he is. Love you, buddy. Amen. I want you to come back next Sunday. It's going to be a great day of celebration. Randall University is going to be here. Their New Life singers are going to be singing in both services. They're going to do two different song sets. So it's going to be different songs in the first service than in the second service. First service, President Bob Thompson is going to be preaching. Uh, Bob has a history with Kavanaugh Church. Back in the early 80s, he served as youth pastor at Kavanaugh Church. Now he's president at Randall University. So he's going to preach first service. New Life's going to sing again second service. And our own Brother Mason Polk is going to be preaching. I can't wait to hear both these guys preach. What I told first service is this, come early and stay late. Right? You're going to hear different songs. You're going to hear two different preachers. What else are you going to do on Sunday morning? Right? Bring your lunch and just hang out. Hey, when you walk out the doors today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those boxes. Also, we're giving to adopt a missionary kid. This year, we have adopted our church planters' children. So our home missionary children have been adopted. There are 46 of these kids we've adopted plus 30 from Puerto Rico. So we have 76 kids we're giving Christmas to. And if you give a gift of $350, you can provide Christmas for one of these kids, all right? So please do that. Also, if you would like to help on the weekend of December 17th and 18th, when some of these church planter families are going to be here, uh, sign up on one of those iPads out there. Brother Johnny needs that this week because he's going to be making the list. Are you good with that? Friday, December 2nd, this week, Drug Court is going to have their graduation ceremony in this room. Uh, what an awesome event that is. Judge Tabor brings his Drug Court graduates. They have a big ceremony. They give testimonies. And if you want to hear of people whose lives have been changed by the power of God, come Friday at 9 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. We Worship is still needing people to sign up. You can go to the little booth right out here at our We Worship sign up and uh, put your name down to help in 2023. Ladies Bible Study starts this Tuesday night. And also, Christmas is right around the corner. Did you know Christmas Eve is Saturday, December 24th? We're going to do something for the first time. We've never done it before. We're going to have a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. So put that down. It's going to be at 4 o'clock. It's only going to last 30, 45 minutes at the most. Then on Christmas Day, December 25th, only one worship service. Everybody's going to come together at 10 o'clock, and we're going to have a great time of worship on Christmas Day. I can't wait. How about you? I'm going to ask this precious family to come on up here with me. It's my family, and I want to introduce you to my daughter, my son-in-law, and the two best grandkids in the universe. Come on up here, girl. 
This is my little Ella Jane. And here's Bubby. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, Archer, who's your best friend? Poems. Isn't Doesn't that just break your heart right there? Yeah. Ella Jane, who's your best friend? Uncle Zane is her best friend. Isn't that great? There goes Archer. Ella Jane, stay right here because I'm going to do. I'm going to use you for an illustration. Ella Jane. Oh, there, there she goes. She's going over to her best friend, Uncle Zane. Anyway, here. Let me get back to the point here. Uh, Whitney and Tyler have moved back to Fort Smith. Isn't that great? Y'all knew that. They've they've gone through our uh, our class and uh, they want to make Kavanaugh their church home. So they present themselves today as members of Kavanaugh Church. If you're going to love, support, and help them as they raise these two and the one who's coming out next month, little jewels, let them know it with a big round of applause. Would you do that? Now, one last thing here. I'm going to pause. Ella Jane stand right there, okay? Ella Jane went last night with her mama and Lolo to see the Nutcracker in Fayetteville. And I was told that at the end of the performance, when the dancers finished, Miss Ella Jane stood up and applauded them and said, bravo, bravo, bravo. Isn't that great? Yeah. Oh, she's doing a passe she's, she's for you. Come here, girl. I tell you what, I love my grandbabies. Don't be messing with them and devil, you can't have them, all right? All right, guys, love y'all. Have a great day. Get out of here.